Odds are good you didn't know their names a decade ago when one of them was just breaking into Chicago radio news and another was barely removed from an internship at Chicago's public TV station. And now they're two of the city's most influential journalists. The truth is I never would have chosen Chicago for myself until I did. I At some point my internship is going to end and they're going to hire me and pay me. <laughs> Brandis Friedman and Paris Schutz are multiple award-winning reporters and co-anchors for WTTW Television's signature broadcast, Chicago Tonight. I'm Charlie Meyerson with Rivet360 and ChicagoPublicSquare.com, and this is Chicago Media Talks, a show in which people in Chicago media talk about Chicago media. Here's my co-host, my friend, and my Rivet360 colleague, journalism strategist, Sheila Solomon. How is Chicago Tonight different from other local news shows in Chicago? Um, you know, I, we get this question a lot, and Paris can say, you know, he can address this as well. I think we try to spend more time on our subject matter. And, you know, that's no disrespect to our colleagues at, you know, the commercial TV stations. You know, there's a place for each of us in this market. But what's different is we spend more time on our subjects. So, um, uh, you know, a reporter package may be three, four, five minutes versus, you know, the minute, minute and a half that you'd probably get at other stations so that we can let it breathe and provide a bit more, you know, context, sometimes analysis. Uh, you'll notice that we do, you know, a lot of talk segments so that we can balance out uh, a segment or just explore whatever the topic might be from different viewpoints um, and and allow folks to really share more of uh, whatever it is we might be talking about that night. Um, and, you know, in addition to the politics and the education and the business and all that stuff that we cover, you know, we also give a good bit of time to the arts. We have an arts uh, producer here as well as an arts reporter. Uh, and so we get to showcase, you know, not just, you know, the big arts organizations in town that we all know about, like Joffrey or Lyric or Chicago Symphony, but these two producers are really good at finding the art stories that you have not heard about and bringing those to our, our audiences as well. You know, our goal is to have our audience understand what's happening in Chicago and Illinois and the world at large. And, you know, following the kind of mission of WTTW uh, to leave you enriched, to leave you uh, feeling like you're more connected to your community. So we're, you know, we're not out there to chase ambulances or cover every single crime or police chase that happens. But, you know, if we do cover crime, we want to talk about it in a way that, you know, will help people understand this as an issue, help people maybe um, empathize with with what's happening, and then, you know, talk about what stakeholders are talking about as solutions. WTTW has gone through some big changes in the months leading up to your ascendance as co-anchors of Chicago Tonight. You lost a news director, forced out after just about a year on the job, and Phil Ponce and Carol Marine stepped down from their roles as two of the key faces of the station's news coverage. How's that affected the show and WTTW news overall? Well, we're just the last one standing, Charlie. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean... It certainly affected, I would say, workplace morale a little bit. But, I mean, at the end of the day, our, our, we, we do the same show that we always have. And we have the same goals that we always have. And we're, we're out there distracted by the reporting and by the journalism and by the, all the news that we have to report on and put into context. So the mission never changed through all of that. And, um, you know, you mentioned Phil and Carol being gone. You know, they're part of the DNA of Chicago tonight, just like John Calloway, who started the show. So they're very influential on what we do now. And, 
Um, we just, I always just try to think about what Phil would do in a certain situation or what Carol would do or even what John Calloway uh, would do in a certain situation. Um, so, so it's, it's kind of like a, f- a family, you know, all these things are sort of passed down through the generations and, and the show really hasn't changed much. I mean, it might look a little different. The tone might be a little different, but, but, but those North Stars are still exactly the same of, of what John Calloway wanted and what Phil did and what Carol did. And even to an extent, Bob Surratt and some of the other folks that, that have been associated, Eddie Arusa, Elizabeth Brackett. And that is, as Brandis said, just the, the quality in-depth journalism, the context that we're providing and the goal to really, um, you know, inform the community and make them feel connected to the city. Yes, you know, there have been some changes, you know, to the credit of our colleagues. Um, everyone has really kept their head down and focused on the work. Um, and I don't think any of us allowed ourselves to really be distracted by any of that other stuff that was going on. Um, you know, obviously everybody noticed it <laughs> and we all recognized it, but that wasn't really the focus. You know, we, we kept our focus on the work. Um, and with regard to, you know, to Phil and, and Carol moving on to, you know, to their next chapters, everything that Paris said is true. But also, you know, Phil slowly started to, to step back little by little a couple of years ago. And Paris and I were given the opportunity to start stepping in and filling in at that point. Um, I think probably with the intention that at some point, you know, if Phil was ready to move on from hosting every night uh, with regularity, that uh, Paris and I would be prepared um, to try and fill his shoes. Uh, I don't think that we can necessarily. It takes two of us to do it. But I think we've been given ample time to, to prepare for this moment. As, as Brandon said, I mean, it's, it feels like this has been, you know, we've been in these roles for a long time and it doesn't, it doesn't feel overnight or anything to, it feels like, you know, we've been doing this for a while and, and getting our sea legs under us to, um, to sort of take the baton, if you will. So how do you see Chicago tonight changing on your watch? Um, I feel like the show is not necessarily mine to change only that, you know, we are very collaborative here. I think all of us, you know, take a lot of ownership on this show. And so at the moment, I don't predict any major changes. Obviously I think all of us, you know, there are, you know, ways we w- we can always work to be better or different or to improve or provide our audiences with uh, something more, something different over the last year. It is obvious with the expansion to the two other shows, um, Chicago Tonight Latino Voices on Saturday and Chicago Tonight Black Voices um, on Sundays, it is clear that we have included and diversified our coverage a little bit more, right? Covering those communities that, as evidenced by what we saw last summer, did not feel they had been covered and heard enough. And so I think we'll definitely keep that going, obviously. I agree with Brandis there, and I'll just add in... um, you know, as a staff, I think we've started to talk a little bit about the big picture, long term, um, you know, how can we meet our mission best, uh, in, you know, in this day and age, as things change, as platforms change. I, I mean, I think it's really good to every now and then just kind of do inventory here at Chicago tonight and see what is it we're doing well? What is it we can improve on? Do we need to change some things? So I can tell you, like, we are having some of those discussions. There might be things that, that we, we want to change. We just don't know what those are yet. I mean, the North Stars don't change. We want to remain balanced. We want to remain a place where, um, everybody can trust the information. And, and, and in this day and age, you know, trust is so important when you have such a bifurcated media landscape and social media where, where everybody's just kind of turning to, you know, whatever, uh, whatever satisfies their preconceived bias. So, I mean, I'll say personally, I feel like an added responsibility that we, we need to, 
be the vanguard of of that traditional sense of um, you know journalism and uh, trustworthy journalism and balanced journalism that everybody, no matter what your opinions are or what your ideologies are, can trust to get reliable information. Coming up, how these two journalists found their way to the anchor seats. Chicago Media Talks is sponsored by Sun Fun U Mediterranean Voyages. When you need a break from all the news and from the windy city itself, join Sun Fun U for a week yachting through the Mediterranean, learning history of the region, and playing in the sea. To make trouble seem a world away, visit Sun Fun U and sign up for a voyage this summer. Paris, you started at WTTW as an intern in 2005. Back then, what was your dream job? Well, um, I at some point my internship is going to end, and they're going to hire me and pay me. <laughs> uh, no, I'm I'm kidding, Charlie. At that point, I did not know uh, what my dream job was. I actually intended to, um, you know, do documentaries, be a filmmaker. Um, I was also a musician. I mean, I am a musician, and I was like, well, maybe I'll do that as a career. I, I really was kind of all over the place. Um, but the internship with Chicago Tonight, and by the way, I applied to intern with Chicago Stories, which was a documentary unit that we had at the time. They didn't need an intern. They sent me to Chicago Tonight, who did need an intern. I was like, okay, I guess I'll do that. And, and that's where I kind of caught the bug of local news again and live television. And just as an intern, I was being a part of um, these stories that I remember as a kid that shaped the city of Chicago and the region and meeting some of these players, the political players uh, and, and the local newsmakers that, that again, that I had, I had read about and watched. That was pretty exciting. And um, again, I, I, I did sign on uh, as a production assistant. I still didn't know what my long-term goal was. I started to inch my way on the air only because I'd had a performing background, you know, as a kid and as a teenager, you know, naively thinking I could do it. And I was terrible for a long time. And the more I did it, the more I realized this was exactly sort of what I wanted to be doing. The kind of journalism that we were doing is pretty much the only kind of journalism I feel like I can do. You know, reporting was was a thrill, uh, chasing down the story and the performance aspect of it. Uh, is, you know, really exciting, you know, it's, it's, it's performing nonfiction, basically. So when, when I was an actor and a performer as a kid, you know, something wasn't quite right. And it was that it was that I didn't want to be doing fiction, I wanted to be doing nonfiction. Because um, I just felt more connected to that. So this has been a dream job. But when I started off, I had no idea. You know, I, I was just trying to figure out a way to get paid. Brandis, unlike Paris, you didn't grow up in the Chicago area. So what brought you here about a decade ago, and what was your career goal at that time? You know, it's funny you should mention that, but just because, you know, in college, I came to visit Chicago once, and I don't know why I hadn't come before college. You know, I've got family here. I just hadn't done it. So on a, on a visit, uh, I did not have a very good trip. <laughs> um, I just, and I, I didn't see the parts of Chicago that I know I love today. Um, I got sick on that trip. It got you know, 70 something degrees in like July and I'm from Mississippi and I thought that was ridiculous and abnormal. And so the truth is I never would have chosen Chicago for myself until I did. My husband is from the area. He grew up in Morton Grove and he and I met when we were, he was, a, he's a former TV news reporter as well. And, you know, both of us had done the market hop 
Um, I started in Wichita Falls, Texas, and then in Little Rock. Uh, and then, you know, I got out of the business briefly when I was in Kansas City and worked on the Hill a little bit in Washington, D.C. And then that's where I got back in after being out for about a year and a half and started producing at the ABC affiliate there um, because it was where I wanted to be. Being out of it was not right for me. And so uh, I came to Chicago because we knew we wanted to be closer to family and his family was here and I wasn't moving back to Mississippi. That's when I got hired at WBBM News Radio as a freelance reporter and anchor because I thought, I was like, this is a really great opportunity to get into the market and learn my way around. Um, and then I got lucky when uh, the correspondent position opened here at Chicago tonight and just kind of applied. I was like, who knows? We'll see what happens. Um, and the executive producer at the time, Mary Field, called uh, for an interview while I was walking my dog. And that very day, I was very disappointed because I'd learned I hadn't gotten some other job that I thought I wanted and looking back would have been all wrong for. Um, so it, it worked out the way it was supposed to. Um, and I mean, I feel like I'm lucky to have this job because I, I, I really love and respect and appreciate the kinds of news that we tell and the way we tell those stories. Um, and, and no disrespect again to our colleagues at, 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 um, at commercial stations. It's just that some of that is not for me. I've done it before and I don't want to do that now. Um, I want to be where I am. So this is, I recognize my job is a bit of a unicorn, um, but I'm, I'm thankful to have it. Brandis broke journalism's fourth wall this month, uh, interviewing someone with whom she and Sheila, as I've just learned too, have a personal connection. Uh, a friend whose son was shot and killed last month, the day before his 19th birthday. So, Brandis, how did the decision come down for, for you to conduct that interview instead of, you know, as might be the case in, in many a more traditional newsroom, assigning it to someone else? Right. And, and it's funny you should mention that Sheila does know the same friend. I remember I saw Sheila at the funeral um, and I just I wasn't able to make it over to say hi to you in time because, as mm -hmm. you know, it was a very it was a full room. Yeah. Um, so when this happened and I, I recognized, you know, this part of me looked at it as a journalist. Right. And I saw there are going to be other stations that are going to cover this and, and newspapers. And we all know this has been picked up by most of the outlets here in town. Um, and actually, my husband put the, you know, the bug in my ear. He's like, what if you were to interview her? And I'm like, uh, you know, I don't know. At the time, it was too early. I didn't mention it to Sonia. I didn't mention it to anyone at work. Um, but then I did, you know, and, and Sonia, I think as a professional and as a grieving mother and an angry citizen was kind of looking for a way to express all of her, you know, thoughts and feelings because of all those hats that she wears. And I was advising her as a friend. And then I thought, you know, the one station I didn't mention is my own. Um, and what do you think? And then I talked to my boss to see what he thought. Um, and I wanted to be sure that, you know, if I'm going to do it, that, you know, I've got a, a trusted producer kind of looking over my shoulder to make sure that I'm, I'm still practicing the journalism that, <laughs> that I'm supposed to be practicing. In this instance, we decided to have me do it instead of someone else just because, you know, we don't interview, sadly, a lot of grieving mothers at Chicago tonight. As Paris said, we sort of cover a more comprehensive, the issue of violence, but not each and every instance of violence, which sadly ha happens far more than it should. And if I were to interview this particular grieving mother, uh, it was her stepson, Miles Thompson, who uh, was killed, um, we'd have a different conversation because she and I know each other. Um, and mother to mother, both of us, you know, she and I have a lot in common. We're both former Mississippians, Ivy League grads, now living in Chicago. We both have sons. Um, and so that conversation is much more intimate than one that I would have gotten had I interviewed a grieving mother with whom I'm not friends or had we allowed someone else in the station to do it. And I think that was our intention. Our intent was to make it uh, different, to make it a little bit more intimate than it might have been otherwise. That segment was produced for WTTW's relatively new show, Black Voices. 
what is different, if anything, about your approach to, to that work and that show compared to your role at Chicago Tonight? The standards are the same, you know. Um, we we still want to make sure that we are providing viewers with news that has impact, and of course, we have to be, you know, fair and balanced and accurate, and all of that is the same. Um, and, and but we we get to experiment with that show just a little bit more, you know. It's it's a younger show, obviously. Have you know, it hasn't been on the air a year just yet. Um, and so we, we play around a little bit more with like this kind of segment or that kind of segment. There are days we'll run a segment um, on Black Voices that can re-air on Chicago Tonight the following week for a slightly different audience um, and vice versa. But not every segment that runs on Black Voices would also run on Chicago Tonight. Um, and, and so I, I guess it's kind of hard to describe what the differences are. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. Um, but we certainly examine what it is like to be a black Chicagoan on that particular show. The issues that affect black Chicagoans, um, and, but that does not mean that all the guests are only black people, right? Um, because we also want anyone who is watching the show, not just a black audience, but anyone who's watching the show has comes away with uh, an idea of what it is like to live a black Chicagoan experience. Now, Latino Voices is another relatively new show on WTTW, and it's focusing on, of course, a different ethnic group. So what are the pros and cons of having new shows devoted to specific demographics? Well, I, I think the pros are, are obviously, as Brandis said, is giving, um, you know, giving these communities a chance to share their stories and to elevate their stories and their experience to a broader audience, which, by the way... Um, you know, the, the shows are meant for everybody. It's, you know, it's not, it's not simply Latino voices for a Latino audience or black voices for, for a black audience. And I mean, I, I'll only say from, from my own experience last year reporting in the pandemic, going from neighborhood to neighborhood, you know, we were in a different neighborhood each night for about five months, but a lot of those were the black and Hispanic neighborhoods of Chicago. And, and one of the things that was evidently clear in doing that is, you know, I didn't understand my own city as well as I should have. And I think most Chicagoans don't. And there were just a lot of things I learned about neighborhoods on the south side or the west side that you would never hear um, in local news coverage. Because, you know, when a newsworthy event that happens in a lot of those communities tends to be the negative event, tends to be when there was a crime or when there's a shooting. And what happens is that skews the audience's perception of what uh, really characterizes life in those neighborhoods. So obviously this weekend you had the shooting, the tragic shooting and, and killing of, of the police officer, Ella French, in West Englewood or in Englewood. Um, and it is tragic and it's a huge newsworthy event. But what happens is when we only cover the negative stuff that uh, we think that, well, that that's the only thing that defines life in Englewood is crime and murder or in Austin, or in Pilsen, uh, or in um, Belmont Cragen, or something like that. And doing the kind of reporting that's done on Black Voice, Latino Voices, or that we did last year with this neighborhood stuff is, is you get a different story. You get a different picture. Like, it's complicated. There are really bad things. The crime is really a part of daily life here. But there are also really amazing things. There's so many people that work uh, in organizations that try to help people, whether it be mental health or whether it be uh, crime prevention or all, all this. And there, 
There, there are people, you know, black and Latino middle class Chicagoans that live in these neighborhoods that, that swear by them, that won't leave, even though the problems are bad. So the true story is a much more mixed picture. There are some wonderful parts of Englewood. There's some wonderful parts of Auburn Gresham. And, and maybe this is a way to help change this skewed perception in the audience that, um, that the only thing that characterizes life in parts of Chicago is crime. It's not true. It's a big part of life, but, the, but there are also, really other wonderful things that characterize life in these neighborhoods. And I'll just say the cons, because um, you asked, I mean, we've gotten some letters saying, well, it's, you know, it's too narrowly focused. Um, and, you know, what about other groups? You know, what about Asian Americans? Um, what about the LGBTQ? I mean, I think all those things are fair, but I think that, you know, Chicago Tonight tries to just incorporate Again, all all these points of views and and, and all these communities, um, so so that we all understand each other better. Basically, I have gotten some tweets, not not a lot. I haven't gotten a lot of emails necessarily, but some folks who you know have something to say about it being you know black voices. Uh, I've gotten a tweet that says "racist propaganda hour." It shows a half hour. It means that person doesn't even watch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I really ignore those tweets only. Um, I mean, the only, you know, value to those tweets is a reminder that there are folks out there who think that way. And, you know, I'm not signing up necessarily to change their minds if they do great, but I'm signing up to to do the job that I'm doing. Um, And I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to those tweets unless someone has, you know, a valid, you know, something that they actually want to discuss. But that's not what's happening in those tweets. Paris, how is WTTW expanding its team of reporters and producers and videographers now? I think most of the expansion lies on the um, the online side of things. I mean, we've really beefed up that operation in recent years to where we have dedicated beat reporters that are exclusively online. You know, we look at people like Heather Sharon who covers City Hall, and she's just pumping out three stories a day. So, I mean, I think she's going toe-to-toe with some of the newspaper reporters there. And we'll have her on uh, the, the Chicago Night program every now and then, kind of debriefing her reports. And we have uh, folks like Patty Wetley, who does the environmental beat. Uh, we do uh, Matt Masterson, who's doing kind of criminal courts and um, education. And Kristen Tometz. Kristen Tometz, yeah. <laughs> so we've really tried to make this a 24-7 news operation, especially online, where we have people covering beats. And, it, you know, it's not just at 7 o'clock at night, which is when Chicago Tonight comes on, where you're going to get, you know, a Chicago Tonight uh, journalism. You, you can get it 24-7 when you refresh, you know, the website. And it's designed for you to check it at all hours of the day um, so that we have our reporters kind of keeping uh, up to speed on, on on what's happening in the city. So that's, you know, we recognize that at some point, we've been talking about this for years, but the singularity is going to happen where the platform really doesn't matter, whether it's TV or streaming or online or social media. It, it just the content that matters. And, and, and we will have to master all of those platforms. And Sheila, I would add to that, um, you know, we've recently added uh, an on-air reporter in Joanna Hernandez, who is coming home to Chicago. She's been in, I think, Brooklyn, the Bronx. I don't remember. She's been in New York for about five years, and now she's here. Um, And we've posted, you know, we're hiring a Black Voices producer, one that is dedicated to Black Voices. Closing thoughts, Charlie. As as you know, Sheila, I spent a good chunk of my day uh, cruising Chicago's many, many news websites. We're lucky to have so many in this town. And I haven't been shy about saying that most of the city's commercial TV and radio websites suck. 
Can I say that on this podcast? I think so. Um, they're, they're ugly. They're riddled with typos, editing failures, factual errors. Channel 11's is a cut above, and, and I wish other broadcasters would take note. Your closing thoughts, Sheila? The other day, a friend texted that I should look for her in an interview on Sunday's Black Voices and Monday's Chicago Tonight. And her text reminded me how important it is to have a broadcast outlet that centers its storytelling on even more of the diverse voices that make up Chicago. Closing thoughts, Paris. You know, we're in a moment, I think, in the country uh, with news media where there's significant reduction in, in, in traditional news. You see what's happened with the Chicago Tribune. Uh, and, and the whole industry is trying to figure out what the winning model is going to be. And, you know, like I said earlier, the fact that so many people get their news and information from social media, I think, is troubling because, as we know, they're not reliable and those algorithms just prioritize stuff that's going to, you know, send people down a rabbit hole uh, and, and confirm their biases. And so Chicago Tonight, you know, we're going to stick to the to the script that, that we've been doing for 30 years and that we're going to offer you in-depth, thoughtful coverage. Uh, it's going to be hard-hitting. Some of it will be softer or feature-oriented. But it's, it's, it's our best effort to get at the objective truth. You know, knowing that we can never 100% get there, but we're going to do our best. And again, it's a place for everybody, no matter what their background is, um, their uh, their points of view, that that they can trust. Or that that's what we hope, is that they, they continue to trust us because we really need good traditional journalism and news sources. And we really need people to turn to those kinds of traditional media to, to get their information. I mean, you see what's happening with vaccine misinformation. Misinformation and disinformation is just way too, way too prevalent and way too dangerous. And, uh, so, so we are going to continue to try and fight the good fight in terms of being that traditional objective source for everybody. We'll do our best. And, and we hope that you know, more people understand the value in that. Brandis, your closing thoughts. Yeah, no, I think, you know, as as journalists, I am lucky, we are lucky, I think, um, to be in a position that we're in. I think, you know, what's important to me is to be able to uplift the voices that um, that you get to hear on Black Voices and the, the folks that we hear from. Um, and I see that as an opportunity, um, you know, not just to provide for the viewers who are watching, but also for the people who, um, who are on the show, right? I, I think we're hoping to provide them an opportunity to, to share their perspective and their point of view um, with other people. So I'm, I'm thankful to be in this position where, uh, where I can make those connections happen. Paris, you're also an accomplished musician. Where can people see you perform these days? I don't, I don't know accomplished. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't, I don't perform out much these days. I, I hope to change that. Uh, I had played at some piano bars in the past. I'll play with some bands, you know, every now and then, uh, just, just for fun. Um, I mean, I'm, I certainly, you know, have a lot of empathy for the working musicians that do rely on this for a living and hopefully they get out and get all the gigs that they can. And, um, when I uh, am out there, I will be sure to try and let everybody know, uh, through the proper channels. I'm pretty sure a lot of viewers of Channel 11, uh, don't realize that Paris co-composed the Chicago Tonight theme music. How did that happen? Well, our former executive producer, Mary Field, said we need a new theme song, um, but we don't have any money to pay for it, so we're going to just use some stock 
songs in the music library. You know, we all pay uh, all these TV stations and production companies pay for these stock music libraries where people create these stock melodies. I said, oh, my God, we can't do that. We need to have something original that says Chicago Tonight. So I, I went down to the piano that we used to have in our old studio and just started looking around at the at the uh, at the, at the set and tried to have something sink into my brain through osmosis. And I came up with just a really simple little melody uh, that you could basically sing: Chicago tonight, Chicago tonight, Chicago tonight. You know, it's just that easy. Um, and uh, fleshed it out a bit. Uh, sought the services of of the brilliant uh, trumpet player at the CSO, John Hagstrom, and he really helped uh, flesh it out. He plays all the brass instruments you hear on that theme. You know, took us to a recording studio and we put it down on tape and it's been going, I don't know, it's got to be going up on 10 years now that that that's been the theme song. Uh, and uh, none of us has, have seen a penny in royalties from it, but that doesn't matter because we did it out of love and... <laughs> Um, but maybe for the next one, I'll, uh, I, I won't give away my services for free. And as Paris Schutz's Chicago Tonight theme music escorts us out of this edition of Chicago Media Talks, recorded August 9th, 2021, let me remind you, our guests have been Paris Schutz and Brandis Friedman. You can reach Brandis at bfriedman at wttw.com. That's B-F-R-I-E-D-M-A-N. And Paris at pshutz at wttw.com. That's P-S-C-H-U-T-Z. You can find Sheila Solomon at Sheila at rivet360.com. And I'm Charlie Myerson. Join me for a roundup of the news 10 weekday mornings at chicagopublicsquare.com. For Sheila Solomon, producer Jesse Batend, and everyone at Rivet360, thanks for listening. If you're looking for another great Rivet podcast, we recommend Elevating Voices, Ending Hunger, brought to you by Feeding America. Elevating Voices, Ending Hunger is a conversation series that features everyday leaders who are disrupting the status quo and working to end food insecurity in the United States. Elevating Voices, Ending Hunger, brought to you by Feeding America and Rivet. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rivet360 makes podcasting easy. Want help with your podcast? Visit rivet360.com.